Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid, and with me are my two bestest Sunny 16 friends, Rach and Claire. How are you doing? Hey. Hello. Good to be here. And Hi. I'm on a special, <laughs> special anniversary as well, isn't it? Uh, it is yeah actually we should we should take a a moment shouldn't we uh to to think about and, and remember our friend john who who died as as we record this actually it's his first anniversary mm. uh, of his passing um today so we'll just take a moment which possibly shouldn't be a full moment on a podcast like this but hopefully everybody has lots of fond memories of yeah. john uh, and, and Rachel's showing us a, a print that John, is that one that, one that John gave you? That one's actually from um, Photography Through the Pandemic, which oh. is the book that um, Holly Gilmore and Hamish. Yeah, you've got yours, have you? Oh, yeah. I haven't got and, mine yet. Uh, there is a, a lovely section, obviously, of John's work. Um, mm. And then at the, at the end, um, his beautiful print of the, the dried roses. Um, to Live Forever, We Must Die First by John Whitmore. So I thought it was appropriate to, uh, yeah, ha I've been looking through that, obviously, today. And, uh, yeah, the first print that John made me, I, I sent a little message to you all this morning. Obviously, we've all been thinking about um, John, as we do all the time anyway, but, of course, you know, today, it's always the thing with anniversaries and dates and that kind of thing, isn't it? And and I thought it would just be nice to look at some of his work and look at the first print he ever made me because he actually um, was a listener, obviously, to Sunny 16 podcast. And um, I'd, I think, been talking about my mum and um, that we'd got, like, our, our sort of, like, final, we didn't know at the time, but obviously our final, like, day out together um, when we went to Crackley Woods um, and there was a beautiful um, bluebell, like forest in Crackley Woods um, and I was just talking about that and that that was like obviously a, a big memory for me and um, John um, as I didn't know at the time but he lives just down the road really from where I grew up as well and um, uh, he sent me a print of, from Crackley Woods which was just lovely that he'd he'd coincidentally taken um, and said I heard you talking about this on the podcast and uh, thought I'd send it over so yeah I have that upstairs so that was kind of what I wanted to do today just sort of like look at his work and and think about John obviously and Anne-Marie and Harriet of course mm. always in our thoughts as well so um, yeah it was uh, it was nice to see that and actually um, at John's funeral they um, had the um, sort of like a um, slideshow of a load of his sort of like uh, photos of him over the years and things and Anne-Marie put that up today on Facebook so I was like that was really lovely to kind of like oh, see that again with with the um, fantastic 80s 90s soundtrack that his friend had put together um, if you remember that aid obviously I, so, I do I do yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was lovely to revisit that as well um, how about yourselves I know that you said you probably would all have a little look at some of his work or or what have you uh, so, so I it been in my thoughts today, uh, mm. as mm. everybody you know who, who would be impacted by it. Um, sadly, I haven't had a moment to myself today to sit down and and ponder things too much as, uh, and look at things. But yeah, certainly been there in my thoughts today. 
same. And I sent you some little pictures, didn't I, from my phone? <laughs> and my yes, phone made those were fun and they made me smile. Yeah, and it was really strange because the John is the most person that keeps popping up my phone, actually. Yeah. My phone, I don't know how it does its archiving or the memories. And there's always this one picture of, of me and John when we stayed at his house <laughs> in 2021 for the photography show and that keeps popping up all the all the time so he's always kind of on my phone <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah I love those photos I actually hadn't seen the the one with you and Graham and and <laughs> before and it did make me laugh because Graham just looks so confused about like, <laughs> what the heck is going on he hasn't got his glasses on he looks like he's wandered into this like <laughs> random <laughs> shot <laughs> That was taken in John's garden, actually. That was in the John's garden, yeah, on the morning before we all headed off in his car to the photography show, yeah. That's so, that's a nice memory, actually, for that yeah. weekend. So. Definitely. It's, it's, it's nice to keep, keep sight of the nice memories, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, we should probably continue with the business of the podcast for this week, shouldn't yeah. we? Actually, and business is a um, is a good term for this week. So we're starting a little mini series uh, or an occasional series, maybe um, that, that we are calling loosely calling analog entrepreneur. And uh, we yeah, this is a chance for us to talk to some of some of our friends and hopefully maybe meet some new people that haven't been on the podcast before uh, who are on, uh, entrepreneurs in the analog world and you know are making their way uh uh you know uh, doing all sorts of different things living the dream being creative <laughs> and who better a person to start this series uh, of conversations than our very own rach who is <laughs> certainly 16's uh amazing entrepreneur in the creative world and the analog world um, <laughs> So, yeah, Rach, uh, well, I guess my first question is, how does it feel to be a guest on your own show? Yeah, very weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, before we started recording today, I did say um, to Aid and Claire, I hope you've got some questions for me because it's it's so weird just to like, uh, just talk about yourself, da, 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 you know, oh, and yes, it's very strange to be um a guest on my own podcast that i co-host obviously with you my lovely co-hosts um it's it's a funny one though isn't it because actually that's how this started for mm. me um being a co-host on sunny 16 as as has been the case obviously for claire and for john as well um i started as a, as a guest on uh on sunny 16 good point, good point. i remember um I think it was actually through Instagram um, that Graham originally got in touch um, on Instagram uh, and said it was something to do with Rosie, basically. So Rosie the Viking was my um, caravan um, that I converted. So mm -hmm. I had Rosie um, who had travelled all over the country and down to France and what have you and come back. And, uh, and I'd seen her on, um, on eBay and I was looking for something um to be a feature of my of my business if you like um and i thought you know in my enthusiasm of of like oh this is a good idea this would be this would be great um i just you know had so many ideas about how i would be able to use her and what i could do and uh, and i just thought oh it kind of like puts it all in one place but it doesn't have an engine that might break down you know because my original thought along the lines of something transportable um was you know camper van or something like that um and then it was pointed out to me that i you know 
Um, I have not really any engineering skills in terms of mechanically, um, fixing cars, fixing vans, that kind of stuff. So if you're looking at something that's a bit older, you kind of need some of those skills, you know, to uh, to fall back on if <laughs> otherwise you get just stuck up a mountain, you know, <laughs> um, potentially. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, actually, that's a good point. So I ended up going for my caravan and and i think that was what caught grown's eye or yourself maybe aid um on instagram and um because obviously i was working in analog photography and that was my business um and i'd converted rosie sort of in uh, in a sort of loose sense mm. into a, a caravan obscura um like a camera obscura but to be a case that you could sit inside her uh, and see what the world looked like upside down um, through through the lens in the front kind of like window that I'd made this kind of like insert. And uh, and then I also made the, the toilet into a miniature dark room because it had a little fold down sink. Um, mm. When I say miniature, I really do mean miniature. It was, it was literally me sort of like here. And I had um, the developer tray uh, on top of the sink and then the stop bath under the sink and then the fixer tray on the top of the toilet. <laughs> Um, and then I'd just have to rinse and wash it afterwards once once we were out. As long as it was developed and stopped and fixed, we were all good. Um, so, yeah, so I could use that for tray developing, um, like pinhole paper negatives and things like that, um, and uh, use her as a sort of like miniature workshop space and also for um, uh, kind of like as a photo booth as well. I was like, okay, I need to make sure that uh, I've got various different options for her to be able to bring in some business to to my business, basically. Um, so yeah, so we we went on some interest interesting journeys together, um, trying to three point turn a caravan around. You know, to, I couldn't quite tow her with my old Ka, unfortunately, so I had to upgrade to an old Fiesta. Um, but she's made of fiberglass, so she's actually very light. And uh, so yeah, there was some interesting journeys around, and like I say, up and down mountains, and uh, in in almost half gear, you know, that kind of thing, trying to trying to tow up the car um, caravan up the side of <laughs> in the peaks and things like that um but yeah loads of fun unfortunately the um uh storage space where i kept her um, closed down so she is currently over in north wales on my in-laws driveway and needs a new home i have actually been thinking looking into that over the last few weeks so uh <laughs> if, uh, if anybody's interested in a caravan obscura uh, and giving rosie the viking a new lease of life please let me know <laughs> it's time for her to maybe go on to a new home so I wasn't expecting to be talking about Rosie that much, actually, but that's, I think, how we ended up having a conversation. Uh, Graham asked me to come on the podcast um, and have a little uh, chat about what I did. And I remember being absolutely terrified, um, but I, I did it anyway, because, you know, I don't know whether it's... it's um, brave or stupid right as they say uh but i did it and i'm glad i'm so glad that i did you know obviously it's changed changed my life you know um and I do. It was to do. yeah, yeah. You, you you do know that it changes your life is that what you were saying Adrian? um and it was it was just brilliant um i really loved it even though i was absolutely terrified and yourself and graham were obviously um, fabulous, you know, people to talk to and really easygoing and laid back. And what I really liked actually was that uh, it wasn't all about the technical stuff and it wasn't all about, um, I didn't feel under pressure to like have to know everything. Um, and it, because 
you sometimes get so used to being um expecting to be caught out on something um and sorry to bring this up already but like especially as a as a woman sometimes there is an added pressure there to be like you can't you can't necessarily feel comfortable in a space unless you feel like you know absolutely everything about everything in case somebody brings this super technical question in and you're thinking I have no clue about that so I think that really helped make me feel listened to and valid and that what I was doing was actually interesting and worthwhile um so it was a, a good um confidence boost to say oh yeah actually this is something that other people are interested in as well so that was lovely um and it made such a an impact on me you know um to feel to feel that because I hadn't really had many other people be like that um in the same way so it was lovely to actually have that opportunity and then I remember getting a phone call from you Aid, like a few weeks later I guess you and Graham had been chatting in behind the scenes um just to say you were looking at hopefully opening it up to bringing on another co-host and that you would like to bring in a different kind of side of you know a different voice that kind of thing um and i guess also because of the education side of things um it seemed that that might be a nice fit so that's how that kind of like came about i think really that's a good way <laughs> to tell the story and it's full of nice memories as well because yeah, yeah that's how that's kind of how i i I remember it. I haven't thought about Rosie for a while, actually, because, mm. you know, I mean, this is so, so this conversation is a little bit about you as a, as a business person. And, sure. uh, you know, and, and Rosie was something that you, you, you made a big investment of time and effort as well as as well as money in, in Rosie, yeah. didn't you? And, uh, you know, so so had had a, and I think at the time, were you relatively newly fully entrepreneurial at the time when we first met you? Yeah, so I I actually did my first official paid job for um, as little vintage photography. I was shooting a wedding in um, the middle of November <laughs> in twenty fourteen. Nice. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely a challenge, shall we say, to that be my very first um, full wedding to to cover. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting an interesting. Um, yeah challenge to do but that was yeah november 2014 was um was that very first uh, little vintage photography job and it started I, i'm sure that some some listeners probably will already know know my story but um i my background's in education and i used to run the um liverpool screen school um sort of technical department so the camera sound editing lighting anything practical really um i taught that aspect of it and um i sort of started with about 150 students and ended with about 650 students and um still just me um as the as the only technician so when i ended up leaving because i went to staffordshire uni and ran their video production company um for about four years uh they had to replace me with four people wow okay that's <laughs> awesome is- yeah um uh which i had been mentioning for quite some time you probably would um yeah as you would as you would think um i can't probably can't do this on my own much longer um and uh yeah in the end uh it it went to uh, me leaving before they they brought people in and then realized they couldn't get one person to do all of that it wasn't practical mm. um so yeah so i yeah 
then went and ran the in-house video production company for Staffordshire University, working with um, like students who were about to graduate or recent graduates uh, and looking at enterprise actually and you know kind of like getting out into the industry and that kind of thing. Um, after three years I think they had a reshuffle like a restructure and my job was not going to be there anymore unfortunately. So I'd already been thinking about what do I want to do more long term um, and the the idea for little vintage for little vintage photography had been there floating around in my brain for you know a good few years probably by that point two or three years already um since my mum had died really and uh and this was the kind of catalyst if, uh, to end up going right well what do i want to do next my job is doesn't exist anymore um i've got five months, four months, three months left, you know, um, before my contract finishes. Um, and I'd been applying and applying for various other jobs and uh, I hadn't even got a single interview um, for any of the jobs that I'd applied for. I think I was at about 32 or 33 jobs I'd applied for by this wow. point. Um, and yeah, literally hadn't had a single interview even. So I was getting quite upset about it and quite depressed about it. And um, I ended up saying, right, I'm just going to take a day off from work, you know, from from the job that I'm <laughs> currently hanging on to with my fingernails um, and sit down with my notebook and my pen and just really go into like reflecting on what I do and what I wanted to do and sort of a bit of soul searching, I guess, you know, uh, digging down a bit deeper um, than we normally think about, I guess. Um to try and figure out what was it that I wanted to do next. And it, I realized that it kept coming back to analog photography, you know, happy times being in the dark room, working with tactile, physical printing and experimenting and um, having the chemistry around and that kind of thing. I just thought would be where I would feel very happy. And I realized that sharing that with other people is something that, I think I naturally am drawn to anyway. Mm. So really it was just, I kind of knew it all along, it, but it took me that day to kind of sit down and really write it down and work through it in a notebook to get to that realisation. Um, and I remember going to bed that night and basically waking Adam up, and, uh, it must have been about like one in the morning and being like, I think I've got it. <laughs> I kind of what I'm going to be doing and he was very happy about that obviously clearly yes <laughs> yeah um he's like maybe we could chat about it tomorrow and I was like no I need to tell you right now mm. um and so I'd done I, I started obviously doing my research to see what else there was um out there uh around the analog photography world um in 2014 there was very little oh, yeah it was a very, very different landscape from what it is today, what it is now. Um, I think the the things I f came up with were I found emulsive, um, I found lomography, and I found World Pinhole Photography Day. Okay. And that was about it. They, they, wow. they were kind of like the three main things that I, I found to do with analog photography. But I had just had a, I had a feeling, I had a, like a sense that, analog photography was going to be making its comeback you know at some point from that point because I realized like I'd got to that uh, that point where digital uh, you know it just become a bit too 
uh, a bit too serious, you know, and a little bit too much like everybody could take the same photographs. There didn't seem to be any creativity in it. And people are starting to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more jaded about it, I think. And I thought, well, if I'm interested in analog and getting back to a traditional kind of like science-based or craft-based or whatever um, aspects of photography as like an additional part of it, then I'm sure other people would be interested as well. Um, and I remember having obviously several conversations about this because I come from very much a working class background, right? And there's no safety net. There's no, you know, extra money if things don't work out. There's nowhere that you can just go into a family business or something, you know, and it was like, what does happen if this doesn't work out? And I've always, I'd always been brought up to be like, you know, having a, a, a monthly wage coming in was, was absolutely, you know, what you had to, had to have, of course. Um, Cause otherwise you don't eat, you haven't got a roof over your head, you know? Um, and so it was really scary, that leap. I mean, it wasn't really a leap. It was a pushed off the edge of a cliff. You know, I didn't really have a choice, unfortunately. Um, but you kind of make it work because you got to, I guess. Um, and it just sort of organically grew from that. So I went in with, it'd be interesting to go back actually. I, I didn't unfortunately have time before today to go and find my my old notebooks and, and kind of look through again um, to find out what those original, original ideas were. But I'm sure that some of them are still on that to-do list, you know, that I constantly have, you know, because... Mm -hmm. Um, ideas I don't have a problem with, you know like coming up with billions of ideas there's always a hundred tabs open in my brain at any one time and things there's there's just not enough time to explore everything so it's not that it's the trying to trying to narrow it down to what it is that makes most sense um, for me as as a person and as a business as a small business as well and I you know I'm first person to say I don't have a business brain. Like that's not how I'm wired to work. Um, so it's definitely something that doesn't come easy to me. Um, and that's where I struggle. I struggle with, um, you know, the, the, the business plan part of it and the, um, all the practical uh, sort of logistics part of it and all the other stuff that you have to be as a small business owner and as an entrepreneur. Um, the ideas stuff and the like, the project kind of stuff, I love, I love that. Um, uh, but the the practical business sense head, if you like, that is more of a struggle for me. Um, but yeah, it's just something you have to have to learn how to deal with or how to balance or how to think about it in a slightly different way because there is no sick pay, there's no holiday pay, there's nobody to take over if you can't do something, you know. And when you're a sole trader like I am, um, you can't even really hire that out to somebody else to stand in for you because you are the business, you are the brand, right? That is what it's built around. So if you're looking at your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats, obviously, um, they come up, uh, it comes up a lot. There's nothing you can do about that, but you, there are um, certain tweaks you can make to try and mitigate some of it. I suppose. And it's, I never went to business school or anything like that. I'm a photographer and an educator first and foremost. So coming into it, um, there's a heck of a lot of uh, learning to do to actually make something 
work full time. Um, I suppose what I'm really pleased about is that I still love photography and I still love analog photography specifically like that still really I'm really passionate about that. And I love that um, because when you work in it as well, you could easily you can easily get jaded about stuff. You could easily find that, you know, it loses its um, its joy, I suppose. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, it's peaks and troughs, obviously. Um, but if anything, I just wish I could actually do more of that. That is what I end up doing probably the least of, actually going out and shooting, um, you know, for me or for pleasure or for, you know, those kind of like projects. So I don't get to really clock off, you know, um, Saturday, Sunday and go and do my photo walks or planning, you know, projects, that kind of thing, because there's never enough time. <laughs> That's my biggest, my biggest issue. There is not enough time for all the ideas I have and all the things I want to do. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. I really have rambled now. I'm sorry. No, no, it's not rambling in the slightest. It's brilliant because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Uh, one of the questions that I wrote down to ask you was what drives you. But yeah, I mean, clearly just the way you talk, right? It it's it's a passion, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's at the very least is is part of of what drives you forward. I mean, if you it's it, you know, and that all comes through in the way you talk. So it's um and and to see so so as we record this then from 2014 to 2022. So it's yeah we're we're eight, eight years now and running, which is fantastic to keep it. I don't think I've ever kept a business running that long. So that's how you've done way better than I ever have. Um, and through the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, and yes, that too. Yeah, that's not not to be sniffed at. Yeah. Um, and so and, and yet you just said it a minute or two ago yourself. Um, you still love photography so because that, that's one of the things that some people say isn't it oh well you know if it's the thing that you love don't do it for work because then it, you, you lose that but but you've somehow managed to keep that i think you have to yeah well um i don't really know what else i would do if you like in in a way apart from approach it like that um i guess uh, you know there's that that cliche of you know do what you love you won't ever work a day in your life and that's such rubbish <laughs> because oh my gosh you know if if i knew now what i knew then like trying mm. to make business out of you know what you love that that's such it's such a kind of like a false sense of what the reality is of trying to run a business when even if it is something that you love you know it's it's mm. so different from how you approach something uh, if you were doing it for for love as in for what it is that you love about it how you would do that is completely different from how you have to shoot something if it's for a client you know you can't you cannot um do, you wouldn't get paid you wouldn't get another job you know if you were just like oh i'm just going to do this that's mm. what it's like um you know developing your creative practice or going and doing your residencies or you know that kind of stuff gives you the opportunity to do that because you're basing it around a pitched kind of like idea but it doesn't necessarily have to be um there's there's not going to be somebody going oh well i'm not going to pay you <laughs> for that because you didn't deliver the images i wanted you to if you see what i mean as long as you're kind of within a, a scope correct me if i'm wrong here claire because obviously you've done more of these than, than me but um yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking is like that's a very different way of approaching things from this is what i just want to shoot to yeah. how do i use my skills and what i do and the look that i create to make something but that works for the client so that they will be happy with it you know so if they're happy with it it means that also i can then use it 
with you know and happily can use it to um to market my business and to show other people what i do mm-hmm. and i think actually quite early on um i made the decision i definitely didn't want to be a full-time wedding photographer i knew that that wasn't for me um because i saw how much of a kind of like um turnover there are that you know how much of a turnover there is for some photographers you know they'll shoot three weddings a week or something you know or even one wedding a week is 52 in a year or uh, you know and i was just like this just it 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 made me go you know cold sweats <laughs> trying to do that because i just feel like that's really impersonal and yeah, I know that's awful, isn't it? Because that's me making a judgment or criticism of somebody else's business, but it's just not how I would work. And it's not what would make it work. You know, it's not what I would want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always kept it deliberately very small in terms of weddings I've taken on, you know. Um, I think 15 in a year was like my max that I that I've done um but I like to get to know the couple like I actually want you know I feel like all of the people whose weddings I've shot I actually know them as people and as friends you know and and things as well um because because it's not the you still a standard bosh 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 kind of wedding stuff you know if you're if you're shooting with film as well as digital or solely on film obviously it's a different experience isn't it it's a different niche it's a different kind of client that you're working with a different kind of person um so it makes it more difficult in some ways because obviously there's less of that kind of person but in other ways it's almost easier because you can go very quickly you're not my client you know that you're definitely you don't get what it is that i'm doing here um and uh yeah very early on there was uh, i think um a, a couple who who basically wanted to book me and i just i just knew that they wouldn't be happy with what i would give them at the end of it uh, so i ended up recommending somebody else um, because i would just i just knew that it wasn't going to work you know um so i did actually say i'm really sorry i'm booked on the date <laughs> um but here's somebody else who's who you know would be great and i think they're available so yay um because which i know might sound counterintuitive but it, sometimes you have to go you have to trust your gut with that i think and I feel like if it had taken on that job, I don't think I'd have ever used any of the images from that wedding. And I don't think um, they would have necessarily been happy, you know, with it at the end either. Um, So I'd always want to make sure like that's that's always the adrenaline rush we talked about this in the energizer bunny beams episode uh, you know my, my adrenaline rush is shooting with film because you obviously don't really know what's going to happen um so there has to be a certain uh, level of uh how that works you know for the for the person that you're shooting for um it's a balance isn't it between what they want what you are able to create and uh yeah just trying to make and trying to marry the two of those huh excuse yeah. me um is uh is is an interesting uh yeah way to way to live live your life and try and make a make a living <laughs> um but yeah there we go i'm interested rachel in how you got from being you know the idea for mm. vintage photography and how you then turned it into an actual living breathing entity you know and 
You said earlier that you're a sole trader. Was mm -hmm. there anyone to, did, was there anyone or anybody that you went to, like any organization to help you through what your, maybe your options were when you were setting yourself up as that business, Little Vintage Photography? Because that can be overwhelming because there's so many options and I'm thinking, you know, in the UK, isn't it? There's like, you can set yourself up as a charity or what is it, a community interest group? Like you said, I don't know the sole trader. And it's baffling. So yeah. if I was thinking about, okay, you know, being a, an entrepreneur or a listener, mm -hmm. that be like, what what do I have to do mm -hmm. um, to set myself up? And then also, what are my requ yearly requirements? Is, is that part mm -hmm. a bit hard, Rachel, or stressful or... Or, yeah, or, or what, what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, great questions, Claire. Absolutely, <laughs> and it's a, a, an aspect of it that you know you don't always know unless you're in it, I suppose. And all of those things are things that you learn as you go along. Aid will be able to tell us much better, I'm sure, about the things that I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> every year. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. Um, but yeah, for, in terms of your question about was there anybody that I went to? Um, yeah. Yeah, the first, yeah. the first thing I did, like, once I was like, this is the kind of idea, how do I approach this? Because there wasn't any, like, I don't know anybody in business, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, it just was never in my sphere around me. I don't have family friends or family who are, or, you know, an accountant or, a, you know, uh, who've been in business or anybody, you know, I'm first in my family to go to university, you know, from my estate. I, you know, um, it's that kind of thing that, you suddenly you're suddenly in this other world that you know nothing about yeah. um, so it was all down to research really you know just spending time looking at what are the options and you know typing in like <laughs> um making a business plan what where do i go you know or like what groups on facebook could i look at or was there any support for for women you know or um wh where do i uh, how how do i put this together or what kind of um business do i need to be or if i'm looking at education how do i do that as an informal kind of like delivery system so yeah just hours and hours and days of really of of just researching that and actually in um i came across through doing that i came across um an organization in liverpool called the women's org okay. um and i went and spoke to them now actually it's just triggered off for me the um memory of um me sitting down with a friend of mine and saying i've kind of got this idea and it was it was going to be called the shed <laughs> which has just reminded me um because i wanted to have a space it's funny isn't it obviously we were talking about john and, and the dark shed and things and this was independent this was, must have been probably 20 2011 something yeah. like that, 2012 um when i started thinking about that and i'd come across I think at that point, um, somewhere called the School of Life, which is actually based in London. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and I'd been doing, uh, I'd, I decided to take it on myself um, whilst I was still at Liverpool, um, whilst I was still at the university, um, making a documentary on guerrilla gardening. Um, and I happened to come across a chap um called Richard Reynolds who uh, was a gorilla gardener and I went on like one of his walks and things through the school of life and I was like I love this idea of 
education for adults like what happens after you're not at school anymore and you're not in formal education but about the curiosity and the and the love for mm. uh, learning and finding out a bit more about all these different interesting aspects of life um and and i just found that really fascinating and i thought something that takes that as it's kind of like original seed of an idea but makes that into something um, a bit more accessible, um, a bit less um, London-centric, and um, that would change the price point slightly, you know, to make it a bit more affordable. Um, and that was kind of like the initial, I think that was actually the initial idea. And then from that, I then had that day off where I was like, right, okay, what is the shed, you know, and, and that's when it started to come back down to it was analog photography actually and that's what I should focus on so I'd already approached the women's org when I'd originally had that idea to ask them you know about this um but there are certain criteria for getting sort of like support and things uh, so you have to be you know a particular age or you have to live in a particular area or what have you um and so I was I was able to go on a couple of their kind of like courses as a free placement um but i didn't qualify for all of the um, support really so it was very useful and it was great to have that as a contact and um they've since been somebody who i know a lot of other um female or uh, uh female identifying um women have run businesses and gone to them for support but across the country there are places and avenues to do that i think it's just about researching what's in the local local area really um so yes yeah, so that was kind of where i initially went and uh, realized that the best thing to do would be to start a sole a sole trader yeah. um, but to kind of like leave my options open and uh, in terms of um, little vintage photography as my business name um my i think it was might be my accountant said why don't you set it as a dormant com what you call a dormant company so i could have it as limited so that i would protect the business name um there are people who would tell you like not to bother with that because that is an, an extra cost each year you have to um uh, you have to or your accountant would have to submit um some documents to company's house basically yeah. um which you know doesn't isn't very difficult but would still cost you 150 quid or something you know so there's, there's something to to be paid out for that um and uh, and i got i got myself an accountant um so that they basically submit my self-assessment for me and if i've got questions around anything more than that i would ask them and they would come back to me so uh, in terms of being a sole trader um uh it means that I basically just work as myself. I can employ people uh, on a freelance basis, mm -hmm. but I don't have uh, PAYE or anything or anybody on payroll for me, if you like. Uh, so I'm just uh, a one woman band, um, but I bring in obviously assistants or bring in people as, as and when needed. Um, it means that it's set up slightly, it is set up differently from a limited company and from a partnership and I'm not, uh, yeah. an expert in any of that mm -hmm. so i would just say those are things to look into mm -hmm. uh if you again if you google like different business setups or you know um structures then that will yeah. give you a rundown of the different types um there are cic's community interest corporation is it 
um, uh, what C stands for, um, NGOs, um, partnerships, limited things. Um, it made sense to me to start as a sole trader as I was little yeah. being me vintage because it was older film cameras and photography because that's yeah, what what the medium is um but it gave some it gave some options for the future mm. um i've just never ended up having time to explore those other options <laughs> well, so, you had your idea you did your research yeah. then you decided on your name decided mm. sole trade was best for you I imagine registered your name on, on company's house and did the paperwork to set yourself up. And then is there, you say, do you definitely have to have an accountant, Rachel, or could you self-submit yourself? And is it costly to, ha to have an accountant to do it for you? Yeah, so um, you obviously that's that depends on the accountant and it depends yeah. on where you live and all the rest of it, you know, or how that's done. And absolutely, you don't need an accountant if you're, if you're very organized and you're good with numbers you know there's no reason why you couldn't do your you know do yourself assess that's what's called a self-assessment mm -hmm. because you self-assess um and submit um so absolutely you can do that yourself um i just found that it was something else that was a big drain on my energy and my my feeling you know about taking yeah. me away from what I was actually trying to do because there's so much in terms of admin and marketing and all the rest of the stuff mm. that you have to do running a business that I was like that is something that yes it cost me a few hundred pounds a year which is which is harsh you know when when you obviously don't uh, very much and you're like that's actually a big chunk of money um but it made it it made most sense for me. So it depends on who you are and the sort of person you are and how you work, I think, as to whether to say yes, get an accountant or don't. <laughs> Imagine the specific dates of the year that you have to remember to submit yeah. things, I suppose, if you've got your business, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. And some people are very good at submitting early. Uh, I am not one of those people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you have your tax cut-off um, deadline, your self-assessment uh, return basically um and deadlines for those um there's like two dates in the year i'm not that registered that's another thing you know if you're running a business um you might or might not be that registered i do, it's again not something i've really explored um because i don't earn enough to to yeah. really um to be something that i would it would make sense for me to look into um i aid do you know what the cutoff is now for that is it like over I don't 40 know what it is now. I know what it was years ago when we started our own business. I yeah. think it was a revenue of over and above about 55, 60,000 a year you were forced to. I think they changed it to maybe 40. It might be 40 now. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But anyway, I was like, oh, well, I am less than half of that. So <laughs> I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> um, so, but obviously there are benefits to that because if you are back registered it means that you can claim that back so whereas i'm in the situation where if there's something that has that on it and i buy it i can't claim that money back so i just have to pay the extra basically i have to pay the extra 20 percent um um so there's there's that kind of thing um which you know sometimes you're like oh that would be useful thanks <laughs> but maybe not so Rach, i mean loads there about you know the business and about how making the business work and i love that as a conversation because that's really one of the things i was hoping 
to to talk to you about because and of course we're, we're very lucky we get to hear you know most weeks that the adventures that you get up to we're, we're, <laughs> with the work that you're doing and and we get to hear that passion you know, all the time we get to hear the creativity which is which is brilliant it it, it is uh it is refreshing to be able to talk about the business. And I tell you, I have ho- what hopefully will be a fun question uh, okay. about the business side of it, which is that like, all business owners need to do need to be superheroes, right? When things go wrong, don't they? So like, could you pick for us a story that like where where you had like you had a gig of some sort, a, co- a job or a contract or a, a wedding or whatever, and you had to like really pull some superpowers out of the bag and be a hero to, to, to make it all work? Oh my gosh. I really should have looked at these questions before you asked me. <laughs> I was like, that'll be fine. Don't worry about putting them in the chat aid. We'll uh, we'll just do it. It will be natural if I don't see them. And now I'm regretting that decision. Okay. Um, oh, I mean, I have had, um, I have had a, a bride nearly not walk down the aisle. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that sounds like a good, good drama. What happened there then? So yeah, obviously I don't want to go too much into too much into detail because you know it wouldn't be wouldn't be fair um, uh, on them. But well, as long I as it wasn't they, my bride, it'd probably be. No, it probably but um, I think they just got a bit overwhelmed. Right, was what was with with the day and with everything. It wasn't anything to do with the person they were marrying or anything like that. But the whole day had suddenly become very intense, and they ended up getting quite ill and um, all yeah. the rest of it and you know, uh, the panic attack was happening and all the rest of that. And um, in that circumstance, you do just have to be the voice of reason, I guess, and say it's okay to be there, to be comforting. You you end up obviously being the counsellor, but you're also trying to shoot with the second body that you've got over here and charge your battery at the same time uh, whilst fixing the the skirt that's just been ripped and that's why they're crying and throwing up in the toilet. Um, And uh, everybody else has deserted uh, deserted you, so you're left being basically the bridesmaid as well as the... um, uh, photographer um, and trying to shoot uh, a, a photograph of somebody getting them into the dress when there isn't anybody there to help get them into the dress. So I'm having to sort of like set my camera up on the side uh, with my other hand. and I'm right-handed, so try and get my left hand in so I can try and get the shot. Um, yeah, does that kind of cover it? Probably that's, something like that. That's, that's pretty hectic, actually, because, you know, I mean, I think we all hear we, we all hear anecdotally that wedding photography is supposed to be very stressful, but that's that's <laughs> yeah. like that's a, a proper a proper crisis. Yeah. So you must have been a hero, right? So, so, so and did the day end happily? Of course. Oh, well, of there course you go it, then. It so you, you saved the day. Um, you say you literally yeah. saved oh, the day. Thanks. It was lovely. Um, I do always make sure I kind of have like a little checklist for my bag for um, potential emergencies that other people might have. (laughs) It's not about me as the photographer. Obviously, you have to pack your own kit, of course, and make sure you've got all that, all of that. But then you also have to think about is the groom going to pass out because he's not eating a, a, an energy bar um so you've got a spare bottle of water in the car or you've got a um a, a white umbrella or something uh so it's not something that's got i don't know jd sports written across it or something that's in all the photos um when it chucks it down and um do you have um access to uh, a step ladder or do you, can you find somebody who can let you into the back of the building to find a step ladder and um all of these kinds of things, I guess. Um, making sure you've got blue tack, making sure that you've got um, aspirin, and uh, oh, I, 
um, I unfortunately do get quite bad migraines and I have um, in the, la the last two, two of my more recent weddings, I've had to basically shoot blind without being able to see because I had a migraine. Um, so I was basically um, there trying not to be sick um, and to shoot um, shoot the wedding at the same time. Thankfully, it did pass, um, but it's the one where you lose your sight, mm. unfortunately, which yeah, is a I bit of an issue yeah, yeah. when, when you're a photographer. Um, so you just have to, yeah, but what other option was there really? You know, you go for it. Um, and actually it was it was fine because I, I kind of, you get into the swing of how how it might work and and stuff so uh, and thankfully that was during prep so it wasn't literally during the ceremony so thank goodness um but yeah all these all these interesting things i do often turn around to mus to myself <laughs> it makes me sound a little bit mad um and go well i i wasn't expecting to be doing that today or how did i end up here doing this um that's quite a regular occurrence <laughs> Well, that's, yeah. that sounds like an adventure like or at least something hey it's given you some stories to tell i know it must be pretty horrible to deal with those things in the moment but uh yeah. yes absolutely absolutely um yeah um in the moment it is I, I guess all you can do is is learn from those things and they they make your your kit bag better for next time you're like ah oh, well <laughs> next time, yes now that yeah that's an interesting we, we should do a what's in my wedding bag right show mm -hmm. and you could say and this one i had because on the first wedding i ever did you know the, you know, you know, the moon fell off the end of the stick and everybody yeah. was upset you know and stuff like that yeah, yeah that, that'd be that'd be an interesting tale to tell so yeah. Oh, I could also tell the story about what happened at the weekend. <laughs> Go on, yeah. Oh, what happened was, this um, weekend? It was that I was I was um, doing a workshop for uh, for somebody else, like freelance. I'd been brought in to to deliver something, but I was working in a space that wasn't my own, um, and I was working with kit that wasn't my own and everything else. And um, the unfortunately what seems to have happened is that somebody had put fixer in the developer bottle mm -hmm. um so uh what happened was the film came out blank unsurprisingly not even any signage not even saying what kind of film it was no, or anything no. and it was i mean that's the first time that has ever happened to me like i i'm pretty laid back with with most things and go okay um these things happen with analog photography right but that was something that was just so unusual and mm. so like i could not understand what had gone wrong and i was like it could only be this um and i did double check with ilford and was like yep it's definitely definitely that so goodness knows why or what had happened but the the fact of the matter was that um unfortunately that was that was the outcome um so yeah it was uh it was it's definitely one of those situations where you go gotta think on your feet what happens next um luckily again i um i had my my bag with like all the other bits that i might possibly need i was like don't worry here's another roll of film i happen to bring with me let's take that out and get that shot and then the following day i brought in all my own chemistry all my own kit all my you know everything that it would be bomb proof as to you know this will definitely work and for extra high stakes i brought in two of my own wedding films first so i was like i will process these first to double check Ooh, that this wow. definitely has worked um because i was like i need to know that i'm doing this right okay that i needed to just feel like 
yes, this is definitely okay. If if I'm willing to do that, then you can feel confident that you know this is going to be okay. Um, so I did, and they came out obviously as as I knew that they would. Um, but yeah, in that circumstance, it was something so strange and so bizarre. I was like, what has happened here? And uh, one of the participants actually turned around to me the next day once ha ah, the uh, whew, um, kind of like. Uh, dra- drama had passed and said your face was a picture and I was like <laughs> I bet it was because it was literally like the epitome of oh my god what the you know has happened here um, and because there were two rolls of film that had been shot as well I thought you know for it to happen to one is really awful but when it, it was both of them yeah. I was like yeah. what on earth has happened here so, yeah um, something systemically uh, wrong at that point isn't exactly. there yeah rather than <laughs> exactly. actually, yeah. so i had to go back to that whole like break it down what are the variables what could it possibly be and that's why i brought all my own stuff in the next day to know i knew it was my thermometer it was definitely working it was the right bag that i knew had been done a hundred times you know film wise so that kind of stuff that kind um, of stuff just free for a loop right and when I go and do the workshops and things, uh, if I'm going into a school or if I'm going to, you know, um, any kind of like um, organisation or institution or somewhere dealing with the public in a space that's not your own, you ne- you're never quite sure what it's going to be like. You don't know the setup of the room. You don't know where, you know, it's it's like going into a completely new job every day, every time you do that, even if you're delivering the same thing or similar thing. The people that you're delivering it to are very different and people are quite volatile, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, quite yeah. unpredictable, um, you know, quite unpredictable with how they might react to things or um, or what the system is or what the rules are in this particular place. Um, so that's always an interesting way of um, trying to navigate that is, uh, yeah, it's a challenge, actually. Yeah, every um, day, every day is a surprise. So, so that, those are two great stories, actually, and and yeah, was I guess the lesson from that's coming from that is be prepared, right? So, so yeah, yeah it's uh, in interest, interesting stuff. So, uh, well, I'm so let, 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 I think t- time to wrap up a little bit. I'm afraid, um, mm-hmm. uh, and well, not afraid, but because uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, <laughs> but the I guess. Rach, question for you. Um, have you enjoyed being interviewed as a, an analogue entrepreneur? It's really sweet. Um, yes, it's been great. Um, you, you two are really, you know, hard taskmasters. I'm just glad that Graham wasn't here to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have given me a really hard time. Um, no, I, I jest, obviously. Um but yeah, no, it's been it's been great. And uh, I hope I've answered some of the questions um and that it hasn't been too uh, too boring, uh, you know, uh, parts of it. Um, I've really loved the questions that you've come up with. They've been great. So thank you very much uh, for that. It's made it a, a pleasure to to chat to you about. And I'm always happy to, you know, talk to anybody. If anybody, you know, has questions about this, um, any further questions and things, just let me know. I'm. You can find me on my website, littlevintagephotography.co.uk. Um, and you can find me obviously on Instagram, uh, under the same and on Twitter I'm Vintage Photo Co. 
cool thank you very much no that's been brilliant um if any yes please do people get in touch um and uh also if anybody out there uh as an analog entrepreneur would like to be interviewed uh and to meet the team and be interviewed uh we of course ha- you know ha- know lots of people uh from from our uh community that that are doing this uh well not not the same but 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 similarly trying to you know running their own businesses uh mm-hmm. and it would be great to to meet new people as well. So that, that's something that I would hope that would come out of this conversation too. So please do get in touch with us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. And our email monkey, who for, I know just for now we'll call him Graham, um, will forward that uh, uh, to us so that we can get back in touch with you uh, yeah, and, 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 and say hi. Yeah, cool. fantastic. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Rach. Thank you, Claire. Um, we will. We have been the Sunny Sixteen Podcast, all three of us, uh, with one of us playing two roles, co-host and guest this week. <laughs> and it's been a joy. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.